0: Welcome, everybody. Um, welcome to Brio Bytes, um, a podcast focused on tech topics, covering tech for good, IT security, and software engineering. Today, we're joined by Yemi. How are you today, Yemi? I'm good, thank you. Good, 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 good. Um, hopefully, you've not been caught in the storms today, that which are battering Britain for the 10th time this winter.
1: Yeah, I'm quite lucky I'm in the uh, southeast. It's not too bad where I am, uh, but uh, of course, I've been watching the news as well. Yeah, you can tell by my accent, I'm, I'm, <laughs> up, I'm up and off. Um,
0: so just to give a bit of an overview to Yemi, so Yemi has an extensive career in software engineering and leadership uh, with over 15 years at this level. Um, Yemi has managed engineering, mobile and, and distributed teams across the globe and in industries, including manufacturing, mm-hmm. e-commerce, retail, healthcare, SaaS um uh, you, you've really got the t-shirt haven't you yemi
1: I, I seem to have um i won't say it was by design but uh, i've been lucky in my career that i've been able to do mostly what i wanted to do so far oh, that's amazing um so yeah so i'm really excited about
0: today so we're, we're going to be covering off some critical areas around software engineering leadership they're probably podcasts on their own but we'll, we'll see how far we get but mm-hmm. we're going to be looking at um people process uh, and delivery yeah. um Obviously, I'm a recruiter at Breed yep. Digital, so let's start with people. Um, so I think we're going to cover off looking at kind of assessment, assessing mm-hmm. teams, etc., recruitment and diversity, which is one of the most, and rightly so, important topics in recruitment right now, and mm-hmm. how we can build better products with a more diverse workforce. So if, mm-hmm. when looking at people, I suppose a good starting point for any engineering manager, Emmy, would be you know if you're starting a new role or maybe just having a view, is, is assessing your current team. Yes as a leader um yeah well, how would you do that what what, what how, where would you start yemi
1: um one of um a really good tool that you could use to actually assess your current team will be something like a something called the skills and will matrix so you try oh. to understand the skills of the team uh, from a technical perspective and also then understand the as it says the will i um what are they looking to do? Are they looking to progress? Are they uh, really happy in what they're doing right now? Are they demotivated? Those kind of things. That is a really powerful tool uh, that, yeah. to leverage because that will quickly show you uh, skill set of your team and where they are in terms of uh, any kind of change management that you may need to do.
0: Right, OK. Um, is that a long process, Yemi, or is it something that you can do quite quickly? Would you work with the engineers? Oh yeah, you,
1: it's something you can do quite quickly. Um, yeah. I think you can get a lot of that information partly from your one-to-ones uh, yeah. with, with the engineers and partly we're just trying to get feedback from uh, other people. And then you can then pull all of that together yourself or yeah. like in a group, depending on, on the size of team that you lead.
0: Yeah, would you work with HR with that as well? Just kind of looking at career plans and next steps for individuals?
1: Yeah. I think that will be kind of next step. So that, that initial one is just really to know where you're at in terms of being able to really uh, think of two things. Uh, how do you guide that team? How do you have them to grow? And then the second thing is along how is this key team capable of delivering?
0: Right, okay. And then would you look at training needs then as well for individuals? And Absolutely.
1: Members? All of these kind of reveal those kind of gaps uh, on be technical and also what... Um, many people are not calling human skills because we have to remember that not all of us come into the workforce with all of the skills that we need. So that is a really good place to highlight those kind of things that may be missing.
0: Okay. So a a great question that a recruiter asks any engineering manager is, are you hiring? (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I suppose from your point of view, when, when do you know to hire, um, how do you how do you work that? Are the metrics that you would look at in terms of when
1: it is the right time to hire? Um, yeah, you- I think it, it's actually so so crucial now to even know what those uh, uh, when to hire is with um, you know zero interest rate uh, environment going away. So, um, a lot of what I look at are what are the projects that we are going to be working on, you know, that kind of six to 12 months horizon, see what the big bets are that we have been discussing, uh, you know, as either as a team or uh, business wide. Then looking at what our current uh, capacity and capabilities are, and then using that to map back to, okay, what. Or when are we looking to deliver some of the bigger projects, and how to also keep the lights on at the same time? Those are the kind of things I look at when then trying to decide whether we need more people or the size of team that we need is enough. And also, you then need to build in uh, lead times uh, of, of, you know, once you get that head count, uh, you have to think about onboarding as well. So all of those kind of things come into play to kind of think through. Okay, what so. In, in the end, you just need to think about the big bets, the time horizon that you're looking at, and also uh, the capability of your team.
0: Okay. Just on that um, time to you mentioned time to hire. What, what typically you experience as an engineering manager from, right, I need somebody, so going through a recruitment process to then
1: them actually starting? Um, It's varied uh, from previous roles to uh, current roles. So I remember when I was uh, with Expedia working on the Hotels.com side of things, it actually was taking months uh, originally um, because each um, engineering manager was recruiting for their team. So uh, someone like me back then, I used to manage teams out in Budapest, and that meant sometimes there's a gap of being able to get somebody in and i'm traveling and so on and that got changed internally to recruit more for uh for the for expedia then if you if you're good enough to do that then you can then uh look at okay what team would they fit by talking to each ira manager that really reduced the time that became something where it used to be months that reduced to roughly something like a few you know from first touch to yeah. getting somebody in became of course if you account for um uh, you know um the the time the person has to give notice as well that that drastically reduced from uh, a couple of months to maybe one or so one and a half months depending on the level of uh, yeah. seniority obviously and um, that made a huge difference because uh, also when you go through the interviewing process itself that got cut down to something like a day uh so it's something i've then used as um a way to recruit uh, in most of the teams i've recruited for subsequently that's amazing yeah going
0: from a day yeah so did, did they centralize it in essence yes and then, so the team that were screening are they a good engineer Correct, and going that
1: way instead of it being kind of siloed. Co- correct, and in my right. current role now, uh, working for Viator, um, actually we uh, it's be- before my time. We're actually doing the same thing in that sense, where it's almost a you're recruiting for the engineering function, and then once they've gone through all the stages and they pass, then it's a case of the hiring managers then saying, oh, this person or depending on our needs or priority, will be good for uh, this particular role.
0: Right, okay. So how do you hire a great engineer then? You what
1: what do you look for as a leader? Wow, that is a really good question. Um, I actually don't go from a technical perspective only. I know, you know, we have to try and think about making sure the person knows how to code. But actually, if you think about, recruiting someone who is not a developer but an engineer i think there's a difference and the difference that is i'm looking for someone who is actually curious who's going who is willing to think okay why are we doing this could we do this slightly differently so i'm looking for that curiosity i'm looking for someone who would um I know it's easy to say, but challenge the status quo, not from the shouty or something, but actually having that um, understanding of the customer. Okay, Mm -hmm. who are we doing this for? Why are we doing this right now? Could we do this in a different way? I really appreciate people that were thinking that way. And it makes a huge difference because uh, to to the product that Mm -hmm. you're building, because you could get something out quicker but something might take slightly longer, but being able to ask those questions, being curious about what we're doing uh, is really important to me when when I'm recruiting. I'm looking for someone also who is looking to, um, instead of a know-it-all, someone who is constantly learning. Um, An an example of myself, I'm currently, uh, although I'm a senior manager myself, but I'm uh, right now learning data science uh, with Python. Uh, Python is a language I've tried in the past, but actually, it's now clicking, uh, maybe because of uh, experience now. And I'm also looking to um, do things like AWS solutions architecture. Not that I do anything with AWS, but it's I am also learning along with my team, so that I'm able to have those kind of conversations with them, where you know we are helping push each other to improve. So that continuous learning mindset is a really critical piece outside of the technical.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's really important. I think um, as a recruiter on the other side of the fence, you know, when we speak to somebody and they come across like they're very inquisitive, it it can be really difficult when you're going through a maybe more of a corporate process to highlight that to the end decision maker. In your case, it can be really difficult, especially when they're going through exercises of have they got dotnet or java yeah. and or python um i would say some of the best engineers are probably more polygon yes because they know how to fix problems and how to communicate it as well so yeah. um
1: yeah it's been a frustration of mine over the years like, no, i anybody. think one of the ways i've um you know overcome that kind of or you you do have the, your set technical side of things but one of the ways is actually as a as hiring manager myself making sure i'm prepared like what are the questions i need to have set uh, before i go into that interview yeah. what am i looking for what so if i'm asking this question what am i trying to reveal of the candidate that is so important to me and it's something i actually learned in in the previous role as well where having that time to think about what you want the role to do, therefore asking the right questions of the role, actually means you can say no quicker. I think sometimes people forget that the interviewing process sometimes is a way for you to say no quickly, so that when you find the right person, everything that you are looking for is there.
0: That's mm, yeah, really interesting. So yeah, it's, it's important to prepare as well, isn't it, for an interview You know, as, as an engineering manager and how you get it organized. Um, let's talk about diversity, Emmy yes um especially in engineering functions and product functions um you know engineering can be very male orientated um in the uk and i think there's probably a part that recruiters and and hiring managers and uh internal ta um, there's lots of things that we can do to attract a more diverse um set of candidates but you know why is it important from your point of view yemi um, and, and how do you manage that process as well? And I think diversity, we, we're all probably taking in neurodiversity as well. Yes. Especially within engineering, it's probably more prevalent as well in, in many regards.
1: Indeed. Um, so I think it's a really important aspect of, um, at least in software engineering, um, I think it helps us create uh, better products because it, it's, yeah. people are coming from different angles uh, to what we are doing and uh diversity uh, i know there's been a lot of uh discussion about it i don't know if you follow twitter at all on that so but i think diversity sometimes uh is reduced to this zero-sum game uh, which i think is a wrong approach to it um diversity can enrich the way we see the world the diversity can enrich the way in which we actually interact with each other so that we develop really good uh systems uh, around us if you think about design uh, having that diverse viewpoint and the other thing to think about when we say diversity um, is not to think of it as some sort of uh, design by committee it's just making sure we are looking at those edge cases sometimes that wouldn't occur to you if mm. something doesn't impact you um so how do how do i kind of um encourage uh us to do that in what I really try to do is working with talent partners and really driving the, this point home and looking really top of the funnel, like as we go out to market to yeah. try and recruit. I think that is the first, that's the right place to be casting our net really wide or wider than maybe we do today. And that is where we see a lot of the uh, impact by going out of our way, uh it does mean going out of our way sometimes to to look outside of where we would normally look
0: yeah i think so so from our side as a recruiter yeah me so there's tools we can make sure that we're targeting a a more diverse Mm. range of people we can send reports on that it's also how we put together a job advert as yes. well, and there's you know, AI is great for this as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we're, we're posting out an advert, we we'll see if it's more masculine, if it's going to yes. make sure that it's more neutral, yeah. or even the other way as well, more feminine. Mm-hmm. Um, also, just removing bias as mm-hmm. well from mm-hmm. the supply chain. So we use portals where we can, you know, blind CVs, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, but it can be frustrating as a recruiter when you know you're searching for, let's say, a software engineer mm-hmm. around a location, and it is 95
1: percent. Men, yeah. yes, um, and it's it's just yeah. unfortunately is the case, but there, there are other options, and I think it's maybe goes to when we talk about productivity and other things in the UK, other options that we can and should consider, but obviously it's a business need. Sometimes and know that is how are we looking. Or where are we looking for the next generation of engineers that we want yeah. to bring on? So, example book camps um, could be uh, one area that uh, we should tap a little bit more into. But when you think about book camps as well, um, there is obviously uh, self-selection there because someone's paid a lot of money to be able to go through that. So it's not that it's wrong, but then there's a self-selection aspect of going through book camps. We yeah. could look at obviously more graduates ask people uh, to to bring on board uh, and so on so there are various ways but in some cases it does need investment and it's just um one of those where uh you as someone like myself i need to be more of an advocate for those opportunities something that uh I worked with our talent team when I was at Thriver on, was bringing on graduates um, as, and the whole engineering team was actually on board and it, re- it went really well. Um, so that that's one uh, option, obviously, is look at the graduate talent pool. We saw some really great candidates when we yeah. did that. It was amazing. Unfortunately, we could only take two. And there was even uh, talk of, oh, could we take three? Because it was that, you know, the talent pool was that good. Well, in the end we thought, you know we can we could only support to yeah i had a lot of success um, with school leavers as well mm. yeah um, we were asked to find some graduate software
0: engineers a number of years ago and um, i think it was about five in total yeah. and what we found was that a lot of the school leavers at 16 that had actually had industry experience and were programming in the spare time mm. were yeah. actually better than the actual graduates with a computer science degree yeah um, it seems like five years behind the the uh the guys and girls that had actually yeah. gone out and learned modern programming uh the, the loads in the spare time it was really odd yeah i felt a bit sorry for the graduates actually i, I think their expectations were were, were really high yes. anyway yeah. um just in terms of diversity of candidates you know how do you ensure that they're fairly assessed
1: when they go um, through
0: the process?
1: i think it it does depend so Mm. that's where you think about something like neurodivergent uh candidates for example i think it's really worth thinking about that solidly and making the right accommodations for example um you know for some candidates you really need to make space maybe you need to make sure things are quiet, uh, as an example, uh, you maybe need to look at your questions again, like the same questions, but how would you ask them differently? You wouldn't change it, or at least I wouldn't try to change it, but it's like, I, I have to think consciously, okay, would this question make sense in this way that I'm asking it? So those are some of the, again, goes back to preparation and really understanding the candidate um, ahead of time at that, that, depending on what you've been to and preparing yourself for that candidate to make sure you're not using one size fits all for everyone
0: okay and what does a good process look like for you yemi is it um first stage telephone virtual face-to-face test final
1: um all of those things i I think uh there's a good uh opportunity to do something like a phone screen just to make sure that there's alignment on the technical aspect, there's alignment maybe on uh, values or something like that, just those are really quick ones. And then uh, when we say face-to-face, I do like that, but not in-office, face-to-face, I think we've moved away from that. Personally, uh, Yeah, (laughs) virtual face-to-face, I think maybe we should start calling it, it's definitely something. Um, When thinking about the technical uh, side of things, two uh, options um I, or at least i like my teams to think about providing two options to candidates one is to collaborate in a pair programming exercise okay. and for those um i tend not to be looking too much for the technical obviously i would like them to do well boys. Uh, i'm looking for communication and collaboration if we go with with that option um the other is take at home tests um what i found um, from my experience is take at home tests is very challenging if you have other commitments Uh, although it's an option which i always um you know i give to be provided but i don't want to limit the pool again it goes back to that diversity thing we were talking about just before Uh, but it's an option that is there if you can take it at home. that's why i have this idea of try to make sure we can do some self-bearing on, on, on the day and make sure it's nothing esoteric uh, that we're doing. It has to be based in the reality of our work day to day. And then we out on terms similarly. And then when that is brought in, we we, we talk through it. And we think about system design uh, depending on the level. And also we look at things like uh, uh, values, fit, Um, in, in So I, I'm not too sure about cultural faith that people used to call it, but more Values, uh, is definitely something that you would. That's want really
0: interesting. Yeah, that's really interesting. Culture versus values, because the mm-hmm. culture of a company might genuinely be awful.
1: It could be. It could yeah. be. And also, I think one of the things about values that we also need to be conscious of is some of it is aspirational. We're aspiring yeah. to it. It's not that we're there yet. And I think if we're honest about that for ourselves, it helps us when we're gauging our candidates as well.
0: Yeah, that's great. So we've covered off a fair fair bit there, but let's say you've gone through an interview process. You found your candidates. Now, something that I've noticed in the market is somebody can have an amazing interview process, the land on day one and the onboarding. They've not spoken to anybody. It's been appalling. And it just creates such a negative impact. And I'm not sure a lot of companies in the new remote reality that we live in and hybrid um, have really mastered it. Um, at all. So, um, have you got any thoughts on that, Yemi, yeah, just in terms of what a good onboarding looks like?
1: Absolutely. Um, again, some of this is not original thinking on my side, but what, so, some of the things I've seen in the past that's worked well and has worked in my current roles. are Again, intent and intent is key. Thinking about the person you're hiring is key because they're an individual that needs to come in on day one and have that I think I joined the right company since when they land, rather than, oh, dear, uh, everything looks good, but yeah, uh, what's going on? So uh, what are the kind of things you can put in place? And that really works. One, think about your team and then the organization. So almost uh, go, okay. what are the things around the organization that they should know on day one and try not to overload them? spread it out over the coming week or a month, depending on you know, the team they're joining. Think about um, getting them buddies uh, too. Yeah, one great. for the team and one that is more like a organization historian, <laughs> if you yeah. like, like at a company level one where they can tell you for historical reasons why that is the way it is. Or if, if not that, someone that's just outside their team as well that maybe has been around for a little longer that they can reach out to, to go, okay, why do we do it this way? of thing that 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 can be useful for them and then um have documentation really like um documentation is not a bad thing because it's your you are basically storing historical knowledge and decisions so make sure you you organize those knowledge bases well for new status that almost like have a start here page where you you can link them to all the different things they may need to know understand the slack channels that they need to join um on day one and have them added and where possible the ideal is as a hiring manager to reach out to them before they start day let them know you know depending on um, the company let them know where they're coming to whether you're going to be there or not who's going to be meeting them all those kind of first day practicalities you need to do then for the kind of thinking longer term in terms of onboarding have a document prepared for for example to say in the first 30 days these are, are the expectations that we we have for you and um the, those those things make a huge difference some other things you can think about doing is have short 5 minute videos maybe using loom or similar technology where you don't need to be with them 24/7 maybe in the first week you're doing the in person thing but then you can point them to if you want more details here here are all of the different um resources that you can then go deep dive into if you need to.
0: Yeah. I think it's all about setting goals as well. When people yeah. come into business, but, you know, often they want to impress. Yes. They don't know how to, they don't know what good looks like. Mm-hmm. They don't know how to get to the next level. Mm-hmm. Um I think that, that's across the board. So.
1: Yeah. So fun. for example, with my team, we're doing something like literally, we just had a workshop on this topic uh, because I only just joined uh, Viator and we are in the process of beginning to work here. We have something already, but we're making some changes. We want to deepen what we're doing around onboarding. And it's been really cool to see everybody wanting to collaborate on that.
0: Yeah, no, that's brilliant. Right, so we've defined what we wanted. We've got a diverse team and they've been onboarded amazingly. Mm-hmm. So now we're at process. So I suppose process is a little bit, it covers a bit of culture as well. Yes. Um, so, what process have you put in place, Yemi, to have a, you know, engaged engineering team in the past?
1: Yeah. So um, the first thing is trying to find a process that fits the team because each yeah. team is different. and made up of individuals, and the key around any kind of process you are trying to put in is uh, one uh, the minimum possible so that they can get on with the work they need to do. Um, you want to build something where they, the team themselves can actually drive improvements to it. So it's not you dictating, you're working with the team to make sure it's the right fit. And you're also working uh, to and with the process that are crisscrossed in the team so that they can make the change that is needed without necessarily being told to make that change because they can see it themselves. So what does that look like? So for uh, me, I tend to work with teams on Uh, starting with things like workshops to just walk through, okay, what's number one, what's our team identity? What are we here to do? What are the team operating system? How do we want to communicate with one another? And um, all of that then drives things like, uh, do we use things like Scrum? Do we use things like Kanban? Whatever that looks like, depending on the nature of what we're doing. And then um, helps us to think through our stakeholders, And how we communicate out uh, our regular work. So those are the way I approach processes: minimum as possible, but not totally none, Uh, and um, open to change, so that we can continue to uh, improve what we're doing.
0: Okay. How do you keep those lines of communications open to kind of build trust and transparency with your team? Do you do that on one-to-ones, or you try and create a culture where everybody can? Chip
1: sharing ideas and concerns. Yes, it's a combination of one-to-one. is uh, um, one way to build relationship directly, and then yeah. the you have you do need the team level things as well. So you think about things like retrospectives. You also um, yourself, um, I someone like myself, being open to. Questions and not shutting questions down and showing that either in a public forum or in an individual forum. I think that's really key for people to see that you are um, essentially a good listener and you're not just coming to yeah. thing, thing, which is actually quite hard in this day. Very hard, very yeah. hard because whatever anybody says, we come with a bias. But a good leader is all around, okay, can you pack that? Of the bias and the ego for a little bit so that you can hear the other person and then work with them and uh, to to really arrive at either uh, answers, solutions or just understanding where they're coming from so um um team meetings um is one where you also need to make sure when you're in that that team scenario that you are giving space for everyone uh, yeah. it's easier said than done but you you really have to make a conscious effort to give space to people to to actually um say what what they're going on. And there are other cases where you might make things anonymous where you maybe you do surveys and so on. So depending on what you're trying to get at.
0: Cool. And um, another thing to cover off you know, obviously as a recruiter I'm speaking to a lot of people where they're kind of facing a more uncertain Climates have either obviously been made redundant or maybe team members have gone. Um, so, just a question about leading—you know—through through change. I mean, how do you navigate organizational changes and keep your team motivated as well through uncertain times?
1: Yeah, um, I have been through this myself, um, so it, it's it, it's a challenge because you are you're not sure what's going to happen next uh, sometimes. So uh, as a leader, I think the most important thing I have done is try to be as transparent as you can be based on the information that you have. Uh, transparency doesn't necessarily mean telling you everything uh, by the chapter, but is being able to explain how a decision was arrived at if you do know. That's yeah. one. Second is communicate again on um, based on your knowledge of the situation and then help people uh because they will go through highs and lows and be really understanding of where they might be in that in that uh change curve and being there to to support them but also being very clear though that well depending on what you know obviously like we do need to come out the other side and be able to drive whatever that next phase looks like. So really be empathetic to how people are feeling, communicate with them, be transparent with them.
0: Okay, cool. Right, so we've got great people, we've got a good process and everybody's motivated as an engineering function. Mm -hmm. Looking at delivery um, from an engineering manager point of view, I suppose this is almost about protecting your team in a way and dealing with stakeholders that are maybe non-tech in essence so you know, what's your kind of best approach in terms of stakeholder management and, and working with other departments and looking after the and influencing I suppose the delivery roadmap as well instead of maybe things being dumped upon you and that's um, a big question I know but
1: yeah. yeah um I'm not sure I'll be able to ask everything but um, <laughs> I, I'm gonna start <laughs> um, I think in, in my role as a more senior manager is it goes back to that communication piece. There are some things I would know ahead of time because I mean, meetings that my uh, immediate people may not be in. So it's how do I make sure they're aware that something's coming in the horizon? How do we organize ourselves in such a way that we can look into some of these things as part of our delivery process? So it's not coming uh, too late. Uh, So if there's some investigations or anything we need to do ahead of time, can we cover time to make sure we're ahead he- we're or just about, uh, you know, uh, right there and not having to spin our wheels uh, when the time comes? Because that, that does impact uh, delivery. Mm-hmm. And then the, the biggest thing I think is, uh, for me, is actually empowering the team themselves uh, and really helping them to work where possible across teams. To ask the right questions, to chase up on, on people, and obviously escalate to so someone like myself if uh, something is really blocking them. But actually, I, I drive for teams taking ownership of what you know what they're doing. With me being there to help with unblocking, escalating, uh, sometimes prioritizing as well. So mm-hmm. how? do I empower my team is always my first question when it comes to delivery because ultimately they will do the work. The, uh, where I can come in is I do have technical background and technical knowledge. I may be able to ask questions of the team that may they may or may not have thought of or I may know something because I've been exposed to uh, a meeting or something else where can I can help them level up on certain areas. So drive for the team to really be empowered to make decisions to also communicate outwards is uh where i tend to be but making sure i'm providing that uh, information that communication that, that transparency um uh, to the team
0: now that's brilliant we have covered a lot there i'm gonna ask you some bonus questions though because <laughs> i'm in a good mood today um <laughs> obviously we described your experience i think you've given some great answers today i think it's been really informative but what advice would you give to any aspiring maybe lead engineers that want to become an engineering manager is it right for everyone what what do you think is the core of becoming an engineer is it just to get away from code are you tired or there needs to be a bit of an ethos there about becoming an engineering manager
1: i think you there are two, one of the great things compared to what I was doing maybe 12, 15 years ago. Um, honestly, I couldn't see a different path than you're an IC, then you become a manager. That was the part. obviously that's changed a lot since then yeah. where there's really good IC route and there's now really good engineering manager route or, or, or let's say management route. Yeah. I would step back and ask myself questions around um if i want to go down the management route, uh, why am i doing this um would i be happy to let leave the reins to others to uh, basically for me to deliver through others because that's the key here mm. as you become an engineering manager and you go more of the management route, you really are having to de- deliver through others if you are a perfectionist or there are, there's something where you still feel like you need to jump in, you really need to think carefully whether that's the right route for you, because we really have two good routes now where you're an individual contributor can get to staff engineer. You are going down the management route. You can go to CTO level or whatever that may look like for your company. So yeah. step back and think, why am I doing this? And then second question, do I like people? <laughs> <laughs> um, you can. um I shouldn't be do this in role <laughs> if you don't like people. Um, that that to me, it's it's actually the fundamental to everything wow. that we've discussed here. You need to want to work with people. You need to want to see people grow to go yeah. down this route, and it's very challenging. You see, first time managers where they still want to be on the IC path, but at the same time, do a little bit of the management route, um, you can have it both ways. I know there are companies currently preaching, oh, 20% time of an engineering manager is in, that they need to use uh, to code. And personally, I'm actually not against um, managers who want to code. I think it's their right if they want to, but you still need to come to it as your fundamental role uh, is how do I develop my people to have autonomy, to have mastery, to grow, in 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 the way that the company needs and also if it's not they can do it here how can i help them to get to that next level elsewhere um it's a a question that you really do need to ask yourself so people is fundamental and you you if you step back and look at almost any project that fails is it the technology that really failed tends to be people Because either we don't listen to each other, we haven't grown the person to get to the next level and so on. It's people fundamentally that we deal with.
0: No, that's pretty I think what I've seen I've seen a lot of techies, like really ingenious technical people that have gone into management. I've often felt as was they just didn't want to be managed. (laughs) So they thought they'd become the manager. Um, not really fundamentally maybe wired in the way to be an engineering manager and, and maybe bringing people together. It's just yeah. That-
1: You'll you, you find that it really, some really good engineering managers may not be the most technically gifted, yeah. but they, they have that combination of empathy for people and the technical chops as well. Yeah. They'll they just not be the Einstein of the technical world, but they know enough. But they know that to achieve anything, they can rally the troops. And yeah. Yeah, they're my performing, which is where you always want to be because you yeah. want them to be able to master what they're doing. Okay. Cool. Right. Last
0: bonus question then, yeah, because we've covered off of loads today. What mm-hmm. what do you think the future is of software engineering right now? There's obviously loads of hype about AI I ask it on yes. every mm-hmm. podcast, but do you think it's um, gonna affect massively engineers in the future? Or do you think the role of an engineer becomes more of a business logic type? Process driven
1: person, what do you think? I think it will affect engineering in the future. The question in my mind has always been when? Yeah. When, um, you know, when will that cover of adoption of all things AI in terms of um, how does it come into play? So today we know we have things like Copilot that can help us do um, our work a little bit better. Yeah. Um, on the optimistic side but i might be wrong on this that it wouldn't replace engineers actually one of the things i always argue um but again i might be wrong is that in the end who creates the ai it's human beings Hmm. so why do we think somehow we wouldn't need them maybe we may need less of them but on the flip side we may actually need more of them (laughs) if you think about it so um i am optimistic in the sense that actually it will help us to be more productive i don't think at least right now in the short to medium term, I don't think uh, software engineers are going away, but maybe it will help us to create higher quality uh, in, in in our code. If you think about what's happening on the horizon um, post office thing, could they have helped us to do slightly better with that? Maybe, maybe not, but I think those those are where we we really need to be thoughtful about leveraging AI. We need to be thoughtful about where in the workflow it will help us. Where mm. in the workflow actually it doesn't make sense for us to have AI into, uh, but I'm an optimist that it will be helpful rather than completely get rid of us.
0: Yeah, but it goes against diversity as well, doesn't it? <laughs> it's not those AI engineers.
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> you'd have to build a diverse AI box. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, I, mean, I think that's been amazing. Thank you so much. I think that's been really, really great um yeah i think there's loads to take away from today um so thanks everyone for listening so it's Brio Bytes. um it's gonna be out on spotify wherever you get your podcasts um subscribe um and notifications buttons for some of the new um podcasts that we'll be doing um covering covering a lot in tech for good um more within software engineering leadership uh, and security we'd like to work with um, some global companies now looking at security problems across the world so that should be really really interesting but thanks again Yemi that's been amazing
1: thank you Rob